This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got a few uh, app experts with me today, Graham Williams and John Beeler. Thanks for coming into studio. Always glad to be here. We've got an awesome show. So we've, uh, as always, got a number of cool apps that we're going to be talking about. Uh, are you concerned about being tracked Online. Well, we'll be talking about uh, Mozilla and some anti-tracking capabilities. We'll uh, also be talking about scooters, e-scooters coming into Canada. Woo-hoo. These, I know I love them. These are <laughs> scooters uh, that you use in conjunction with an app on your phone and, of course, your credit card uh, to unlock and rent and find. And coming to a few cities in Canada. So you want to stay tuned to find out what cities those are and some of the good things about them and some of the bad things. <laughs> we also have our Hot 5 app countdown Well, we uh, where we'll be talking about the Hot 5 gardening apps. Uh, this will make your gardening easier. Your phone will garden for you. Ooh. Or maybe it'll make you garden. It'll make you garden better. Yes. Okay, I'm into it. Let's talk about some of the app news uh, out there, uh, guys. This one was uh, really disturbing. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, a region in China, uh, the Chinese border guards there are installing secret a secret surveillance app on tourists' phones. Now, this is something where when you guys said you were headed over to China, I'm like, <laughs> have a great time. Don't let your phone out of your sight. I'm not shocked. It's kind of scary. So this is only, from what I understand, from the, the article, uh, you can check it out on theguardian.com. They're putting it on Android phones because right. Android phones are easier to do this too. iPhones, I don't, I didn't see that they were able to do that. No, they're not. And this, this is the thing. I mean, everyone goes on about Apple's walled garden ecosystem. Um, they've built Fort Knox for their users. Um, Android, obviously, being a little bit more flexible about the things that you can install means that it's more flexible about the things you can install. And unfortunately, that means that, and I'm going to use the word nefarious, nefarious governments can do this stuff, uh, specifically this regional one. Guys, what are you doing? It's scary. Yeah. I, I can't pronounce the re- region <laughs> in China here. <laughs> so check out the Guardian uh, article uh, for the specific details on that. But uh, apparently the app uh, is taking all your texts and contact informations, your phone calls. So according to the article, basically it's hoovering down all of your stuff and sending it to, and then leaving it, leaving a little, little friend behind to keep tracking you after the fact it was supposed to be deleted after, you know, they disappear into that back room, but they're not always doing that. So oh, it's continuing it. to send it back. The one thing that you find about nefarious governments is a lot of the times they're also incompetent. So thank heavens for that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, to me, this, I, like I look at this and we're hearing that Amazon, Google, uh, and a few other companies are starting to pull manufacturing out of China. When you behave like a bad actor, no one wants to do business with you. So maybe stop. It's kind of my point there. Yeah. Well, the Chinese are going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> Not to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. at least in this region. In this region. Okay. So how, how much app revenue happens every Every year, do you think? That's a lot. I'm going to go $35 billion? Okay. Well, you're kind of half close. Half close. So app revenues for the first half of 2019? Yeah. $39 billion between you- the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. We are spending... $39 billion. Woo. Is that all Pokemon money? It's <laughs> <laughs> 80% Pokemon and, and Harry Potter. Uh, that's up 15% from the first half of last year. Isn't that a crazy? But you know what? Smartphones, you know, and especially because Apple opened up the App Store, have driven just this entire new business and economy. Yeah, there were developers before, but it's taken it to a whole other, whole other level. So, so here's the crazy thing. 
Now, I've just moved house, and I've got this beautiful iMac that I've had, I've had for about seven years, but it is, I mean, about top of the line, so it is still in tip-top condition. I've got a MacBook Pro that I use here at work. Both of those things are still wrapped up and put away. I have been operating entirely on my iPad and my iPhone for the last week, and you know what? That's why you've been really crappy at work and not getting anything done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm I, kidding. I I haven't missed it, right? And yeah. it's it's when you when you start to sit there and you're like, I need to do this. My first impulse now is not to go and find a piece of desktop software. It's to see is there an app for that. I think Apple really nailed that tagline. There typically is. There's always oh, somebody always, yeah. who's tried to solve this problem already. Yeah. Brilliant. And of course, I'm spending money on this stuff. When I'm looking at it and going, you know, it's six bucks for this or thirteen bucks for that. It's no problem. Does that, Absolutely. Does that revenue include subscription services as well? It didn't really say that, but here's another interesting fact about that. So $39 billion for the first half of 2019 between Apple and Google, their, uh, their app stores. Who do you think did more revenue? I'm going to go Apple, hands down. I would agree. So Google and the Android operating system dominate the planet. Yeah. More than 80% of phones on the planet use Google Android. However... Apple does more business on apps. Apple, in that time period, $25.5 billion. Wow. And Google uh, estimated around $14.2 billion. So Apple did 80% more revenue in apps than Google. It proves that actual market share for phones, the number of phones out there, really isn't mattering too much. Apple's making more profit on their devices. They're making more profit on their app store. You know, as much as people might criticize them, uh, they're clearly doing something right. And that app, that that market share too has always been a little deceiving because the majority of the Android phones out there are typically the free with your subscription service for your for your plan, that type of thing. Generally the lower cost devices uh, across the board. Which I mean, there's still critical parts of infrastructure. Getting more people into smartphones and getting that smartphone network out there is important. It's just the question is, do people stay with Android as they start to move up the chain, as it were, as far as productivity and usefulness with their phones, that's really a question that I don't necessarily have the answer to. I mean, we know that Apple users are ferociously loyal, and people have a tendency to switch more frequently from Android to iOS. Uh, the question is there, though, is Google having any success with lock-in? But it sounds like by not being able to sell more software to their users, that lock-in factor is not really there. And when people are ready to make the jump to iOS, they do. And it's interesting, too. I don't really see any you know, Android specific or Android only apps. You see a lot more iOS only apps uh, and people, are, people are more likely to buy them. Right. Yep. Yeah. And if you're a developer out there and you're looking at this going, you know, I could cater to this much larger audience that probably isn't going to spend the money or this much smaller audience that is. And I've also got this predictable platform versus all of these admittedly cool, but difficult to support devices because they're so varied fragmentation. It's, it's a very easy call to make there. Biggest player player in the Android space, Samsung. Of course. So there's this this app. Uh, it's a fake app. Uh, it's called uh, Updates for Samsung. Oh no! That promises firmware updates for Samsung phone users. Oh, Sounds no. good. Sounds fantastic. Ten, 10 million people have downloaded this app. Yeah. And it's just basically this ad app. It just serves you up crappy ads. So this, I mean, fragmentation, this really goes back to the core of the Android experience, which people have always asked me, like, if you were to switch over to Android, what would you buy? And I always say I would buy a Pixel because you're guaranteed 18 to 24 months of updates. Now, to give you some perspective, the uh, iPhone 5S got 
six years of updates. People keep going on about planned obsolescence, not in Apple's house. So, so there's the point, you guys. Uh, Apple's continually updating them because it keeps everyone on the same version of iOS, which makes it easier for developers, and it makes a much larger, larger audience for the developers to sell their apps to. Yeah. So here now we need to look at Samsung, Huawei, Sony, all of those Android manufacturers and say, you are doing a disservice to the Android community by not ensuring that updates are available. And then we see crappy apps like this happen. Fix it, guys. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about e-scooters and how you can control them with an app on your phone. We also have our Hot 5 app countdown coming up. Hot 5 gardening apps. These are cool apps. I think they're uh, going to uh, be very well received. And uh, so much more. You're listening to The App Show here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Let's talk about e-scooters. E-scooters are a, a huge phenomena in many cities around the world, uh, especially in uh, uh, the U.S. and Europe. Uh, when I was over in Paris uh, back a few months ago, I loved it. You could basically pick up any of these uh, e-scooter uh, rentals uh, anywhere on the uh, sidewalk and scoot all over the city. Well, they're coming to Canada now. On the line, we've got uh, our uh, scooter expert, Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com. Thank you for coming on the show, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So uh, what's happening? Uh, I believe Bird is the, uh, the first one coming into, uh, into this country uh, that uh, does the e-scooter rental. I think they're probably the first that are doing a wide release. Uh, a couple months ago, Lime, one of Bird's competitors in the States, launched a pilot project in just Waterloo, Ontario. Um, but it's pretty limited, and we don't know if they're expanding beyond that. But Bird is definitely the first, um, I guess, e-scooter sharing company to, to launch much more widely here. Well, explain to the listeners uh, how the uh, the e-scooter uh, rentals work. Sure. Um, so basically, you need to have a valid, at least in terms of the states, we're not 100% how, it'll work here, how it's going to work here. Um, but basically, you need to have a valid driver's license. Um, these scooters are kind of located in different areas around uh, the city. You find one, um, you have an app on your phone, you scan a QR code, the scooter activates, um, and then in the states, you pay a dollar to activate it, and then 15 cents um, per minute. Um, and usually because these devices are kind of designed as like a last mile form of transportation, say you're getting off the subway or you are at a major transportation hub and then have like a 10 minute walk to work or something like that, these scooters are kind of designed to, to fill that gap. Um, and that's, that's generally how, how they're going to work. And to my understanding, um, the setup will be very similar in, in the Canadian market. How do they verify the driver's license? license? Uh, I remember when I was in Europe uh, and I tried uh, these scooters in a few different countries, uh, never really asked me for my driver's license. In the States, I know Lime asked for your driver's license. Um, no, sorry, Bird asked for your driver's license. And Lime, because I didn't have a U.S. driver's license, asked for my passport. Um, I, don't, I don't really know much about the verification process. I just know that you need to provide some sort of ID for them to work. Um, there obviously are flaws with that, right? Like someone who doesn't have a driver's license could just take their friends and use it. Um, but I mean, it, it, it is another step that somebody needs to take in order to activate one of the scooters. And I guess you have to have a credit card as well because uh, they are charging you a, uh, a per minute rate. Yeah, you, you'd have to have a credit card linked to, linked to your phone, um, uh, either to your, your, to your bird account for it to work as well, yeah. So the interesting thing here, though, Patrick, uh, I know a lot of uh, cities are struggling uh, with this uh, this phenomenon right now, the whole e-scooter uh, sharing or, or, or rental business. Uh, there's literally scooters littered everywhere. 
Yeah, that, that's one of the big controversies in the States. Um, I believe Bird launched first in Santa Monica back in 2017. Um, and there's a, a pretty big, big pushback from like the local community. Obviously, people aren't fond of having just scooters littered all over the sidewalk. Um, I think some of that comes down to education. People literally not knowing that that's not okay. Tourists just leaving them all over the place. Um, so something uh, Bird Canada's CEO told me was that the company plans to have full-time uh, Bird Canada employees that will be going around the cities that they're launching in um, and kind of picking up these scooters that people are leaving in random places and putting them in central hubs um, where the company knows people are. Um, there's more demand for scooters. They use GPS to kind of see where the demand is. So uh, at least in theory, this won't be as much of an issue here, the sort of littering scooters around the sidewalk. Um, I'm not sure if I buy it. I think that's still <laughs> going to be a huge issue here. But we'll we'll see how it goes when they launch first. Uh, I, I believe it's Alberta, and they're going to launch in Calgary and Edmonton first. Uh, it's just a matter of um, kind of an exception to provincial regulation being being approved is what I think they're waiting for right now. I also heard uh, they're going to be launching uh, eventually in BC as well. Uh, Kelowna, I believe, is the uh, yeah. the first uh, uh, city in uh, in this particular province. But, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I was saying earlier, I, I rode these when I was in Paris. Since, you know, I've come back, uh, the, the Paris uh, City Council and mayor have basically enacted uh, bylaws now to really regulate this uh, whole e-scooter sharing uh, system. Uh, no longer will you be allowed to ride these scooters on the sidewalks. Uh, and also, you won't be able to leave them on any sidewalk either. They have to be put into designated uh, parking zones, from what I've heard. Yeah, I, I think uh, having designated parking zones or a docking system of some sort is probably a step in the right direction towards solving that problem. Um, I know it kind of, to an extent, limits the purpose of the scooters. You're supposed to be able to take them from wherever to wherever. Um, but I think, at least from what I've seen in U.S. cities when I've used them, that doesn't really work. Maybe having these full-time employees going around picking them up will solve that problem. But again, I, I really, really don't think that it will. We'll have to see kind of what happens. Um, I could see it especially being an issue in larger cities like Toronto and, and Montreal. They haven't announced anything about uh, launching in those regions yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's kind of in, in Bird Canada's playbook to eventually uh, make their way there. Yeah, I, uh, I read, I think, uh, last week that uh, New York and specifically New York City uh, were enacting uh, bylaws to uh, allow scooters uh, in in their city. Uh, however, uh, the island of Manhattan, uh, they still don't want the, the e-scooters uh, there just because obviously of uh, the sheer amount of congestion they uh, they have on the streets. But, you know, from a safety aspect, uh, you know, one of the things I noticed with, uh, you know, the cities uh, I was in, no one's wearing a helmet <laughs> riding these yeah, things. Uh, they definitely recommend you wear a helmet, but I don't know how you could enforce that. Um, also, like the other thing that I think these, the issue that these scooters run into are um, bike lanes are already in limited supply, right? Um, and people that ride bikes will soon have to share that space with these e-scooters. So I can see that being kind of a point of contention as well. Um, I'm not really sure what the solution to that problem is. I, when I've used e-scooters, I've ridden them on the road just like a car. I've followed the same rules of the road that you would as if you were driving just a regular vehicle. Um, and I think that that's probably the correct way uh, to go forward with it. 
I would have to agree there. Uh, when I was riding uh, them in, in Europe, uh, at first I rode them on the sidewalks because I was scared. Uh, but then as my yeah, confidence yeah. <laughs> grew, I, I went on to the roads, uh, which in Europe is kind of hard. Like in Paris, everything's cobblestone. So, I mean, you were just like, you know, going rickety, 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 you know, along these, uh, these, uh, these roads. And, and especially in Europe, there's no lines on any of these uh on these uh, roads uh that uh, you'd be driving them on but uh yeah it's interesting to see uh if uh, they'll be able to get them into the cities here will the cities fight to keep them out uh, you know i look at vancouver they don't like anything happening here like i don't think they're going to let them in the bike lanes you know are they going to let them be on the road uh, i guess only time will tell eh? i think it's definitely going to be an interesting couple months um i have a feeling there's going to be significant demand from people for the scooters so the cities will have to come to some sort of compromise. Um, but then there's also going to be pushback as well because uh, there's a lot of campaigns in different U.S. cities uh, to kind of have them removed from various regions because uh, the people that live there don't like them. Um, so it's definitely going to be an interesting couple of months, and I think it'll be a bit of a struggle for, for Bird Canada to try to figure out what the regulation situation is going to look like um, in Canadian cities. Well, I, I hope they work out something because, uh, again, when I was using them, they were a very, very viable transportation off uh, uh, alternative for me. So instead of like, uh, you know, going on a bus uh, or trying to get a taxi to get around the city, uh, these things were really cheap and actually, you know, much, much quicker than some of those uh, other options. Yeah, I, I've used them a bunch of times, like uh, on, at different events that I'm um, attending or covering for work. Um, I use them at WWDC during um, in, in San Jose, uh, Apple's big developer conference. It was awesome. Um, I mean, you feel like a bit of, I, I don't know what the right word is, you feel like a bit of a dork, I guess, riding around on a scooter <laughs> in public, but uh, they're so fun that you, you forget about that at some point, if that makes sense. Um, and they're also so convenient that like, at some point, I, just, I really just didn't care. I just found them so convenient that... Uh, that sort of few minutes of, oh, oh man, I'm, I'm actually riding a scooter in public, yeah. uh, disappeared. Yeah, I got over that pretty quick, too. We're talking with Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com, uh, a great website uh, for all your mobile news, tips, tricks, uh, and offers. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. No problem. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, it's Hot 5 App Countdown. Stay tuned. <laughs> you are back with the app show. Before we get to our Hot 5 App Countdown, it's our iOS or our iPhone tip of the week. Graham, what do you got? Our iPhone tip of the week this week is designed to keep you a little bit more safe. Uh, do you guys know about emergency SOS on your iPhones? Is that on the lock screen? That's so that this is actually a combination of the power buttons. Now you can do this two ways. If you have an older iPhone, like an iPhone 7 or earlier, you can tap the power an button. older iPhone is an iPhone 7. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can tap the power button five times in a row. Okay. Now, you can still do that on newer does, iPhones does as well. Does that set it into auto-destruct mode? Pretty much, okay. yeah. Um, or if you, on the newer iPhones, so like the iPhone 8 and up, so iPhone 10, iPhone 10s, iPhone 10R, um, you can press and hold a volume button and a power button at the same time for five seconds. Yes. If you do either of these motions, it'll actually put the phone into emergency SOS mode. So with the holding the power button and the volume button down, it'll actually bring up a slider asking if you want to shut off your phone or if you want to go into emergency SOS. If you hold it, continue to hold it, it'll give you an, an audible alert, and then it will begin to trigger emergency SOS mode. Now, what this will do is it will actually call emergency services, but it will also send a text and your location to your emergency contact, which you can set uh, in the health app. And so in this case, they'll be able to see where you are, They'll know that you're in trouble. It'll be calling 911 for you. And hopefully, if you are in trouble, you'll be helped out. Cool, huh? 
It is cool. So for summer, stay safe, right? And be aware of emergency SOS. Let's jump into my favorite segment. The weekly app, Hot 5. This week, it's the Hot 5 gardening apps. And we're going to start off uh, with the first one. John, my lawn, a guide to lawn care. And I'm excited about this because my lawn is not looking good. I don't really have a lawn. Okay. But... I'm excited for you. Thank you. Tell us about this. (laughs) So Mylon uh, makes lawn maintenance understandable and creates an easy-to-follow care plan so you know which products to use and when. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to take into account your local bylaws for watering and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But recommendations are based on your lawn size, your location, and your climate. You'll get an alert when it's time to feed, seed, and water your lawn so you never have to guess. You can also create a custom lawn care plan. Monitor the amount of water your yard gets each week from rain, hoses, and sprinklers. Keep track of specific needs of different parts of your yard, like the parts that are most likely shaded versus the parts that are always in the sun. This is free. It's available for iOS and Android. This is kind of cool because uh, I kind of have a lot of things going on, and I didn't fertilize my lawn this year, but it'd be cool if I had a reminder as to when I should do that. Then, Then I could feel bad. We're still not doing it because I still don't have time. Uh, number four, we've got Grow It, Graham. Grow It. So this is a free app for iOS and Android. And uh, this is a great way for you to share your garden and connect with others. So you can share photos of your plants. You can ask the community for help identifying them, which I would imagine if you had purchased them, you would know. But perhaps you've inherited plants. So this is a good thing to have. So the Grow It community is a valuable resource. If you just moved into a new area, it'll let you know about pests that could be eating your tomatoes uh, and different types of things that can happen to your plants. You'll also be able to get some inspiration uh, from people around. So if you see a plant that you like, you can tap on the information tab to figure out how to grow it. It'll tell you how big plants will get, how often to water and feed them, and when they will bloom. It will also teach you to properly prepare your soil for any plant, how to grow larger vegetables, and what you should and shouldn't plant based on your location. Fantastic. Uh, next up, we have, this is kind of cool, iScape. Yes. I like this. This is for iOS only, and this allows you to basically design your landscaping. Uh, like I said, I don't have a lawn. My strata would probably get really upset if I started landscaping myself <laughs> in my complex. But this allows you to download or design your outdoor living area with this app. Uh, use these design tools to make your project come to life. You can snap a photo of your area, and then you can basically virtually add flower beds, trees, and shrubs to get an idea what your yard will look like before you go and buy them. That's kind of cool because I've got this one corner in my yard that's just kind of bare and it would be kind of neat to visualize, to actually yes. see how the plants or bushes would look there. And so iScape does this in 2D and in 3D designs. So you can actually see what your physical outdoor area looks like with virtual plants. Once you have the layout, you can share this with your spouse or your landscape pro and get the project going. Um, the, the app is free. There's a light version, but then uh, there is a subscription-based uh pro plan for 20 bucks or $200 for a year if you really want to go hardcore and doing some major landscaping. Can you put in like raccoons and moles? I hope so. <laughs> That's extra. Yes. That's an extra subscription. Uh, next up on our Hot 5 app countdown this week, we're talking Hot 5 gardening apps. Number two is Garden Answers, and I needed this this weekend because I'm looking through my, my garden beds, which are overrun because I have neglected them. I obviously am a poor property owner. Uh, so this... Again, it's called Garden Answers, available for iPhone and Android uh, users. It uses advanced image recognition technology to identify the plants, uh, which is kind of cool. So you can basically use the camera, snap a picture, and submit it to instantly get detailed information about a plant. So now I can see if it uh, is a weed or an actual plant. 
because so many times I've picked out of the garden the plants instead of the weeds because the weeds look nice sometimes. They got little flowers on them. I can imagine that went over really well with the family. They, you know, they don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know. It's me that I feels guilty yeah. after the fact. Okay, number one. Graham, we've got the gardening companion. So gardening companion is a great way to make your garden absolutely immaculate because it acts like your garden assistant. It gives you thousands of articles on horticulture, teaching you how to take the best care of your garden. You can also track your plant's growth by storing photos and notes in the app's journal. It'll also record the weather in your location, and you can compare your garden year over year because who doesn't like those kind of metrics? So it'll set up notifications to remind you to water and fertilize your garden. So that would be handy for you, Mike. And it will also alert you as to the right time to plant vegetables so you won't miss those key windows. And that is Gardening Companion for iOS and Android. These apps make a big difference. You know, I know so many people aren't expert gardeners uh, out there, but they do make it a lot easier. Usually people just post on Facebook, what is this plant or how do I do this? (laughs) And you get like 800 answers from your friends that are all wrong. Yes. See, I, I know I know a lot of people that are either in you know biology or botany, um, and so that's actually a, a handy thing for me. Very very easy to do. I like it. Uh, I'm going to try out the lawn care. I'm also going to do the garden answer so I can see what's a weed and what uh, isn't. And I like the uh, visualizing, like putting the plants in a picture that I with iScape. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. When we come back from the break, what do we got up? We're talking about uh, ad blocking. Yes, ad tracking. Ad tracking and how to. How to skew the system. I like skewing the system because I hate ads. Yes. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got uh, my fellow app experts, John Beeler and Graham Williams. Do you like being tracked on the internet and being served up all these stupid ads all the time? Well, that's how the internet works because everything is free, basically. And... uh, it's interesting because they're tracking everything about you, your, uh, your browsing habits and whatever they can get, any additional information about your gender, your income. That's all going in there as well. But uh, there's uh, this uh, new thing called Track This that can potentially fool them all. John, explain. Yes. So Mozilla has uh, made a big deal about the privacy features of their Firefox browser. And if you haven't already downloaded it, you should go grab it now. Um, what track this is, though, is really an experiment that they did to show, to show, help illustrate how bad these ad trackers are. I mean, the biggest problem I have is I buy something on Amazon and then I get ads for it for the next month, even though I've already bought it. Um, but what track this does is it actually will open up 100 browser tabs for a specific type of product line that you might be interested in not getting yourself and they have uh, a couple different sort of personas that you can choose from so you can be like uh the filthy rich so you need all these high-end products that's really going to mess with the ad trackers and they're not going to know who is this guy looking at ferraris and lamborghinis when normally he's buying like ramen (laughs) yes so um but basically it'll show you how quickly and how pervasively your ads that are going to be served to you on any website are going to be influenced by a simple click of the button in the track this function so is this helping me in any way no is it it just messing with them well it's messing with them but also it shows you how quickly they can get skewed by these other uh browser tabs and also how how long of a shelf life those activities have. It's, they say it takes a couple of days for things to sort of settle back down to your normal patterns. So it gives you a really good idea of the pervasiveness of these cookies that are, you know, we're always accepting and, and, and dealing with, and, and also how, how much information 
and how many places these ads will pop up that you may not even notice because you kind of forgot about them because they were st- for stuff that was maybe a little bit little bit on point, you know, for the, your usage pattern, your shopping patterns. Um, so it's really interesting to see where this goes. The whole point of this, though, is to really use uh, a better browser like Firefox and just turn off ad tracking altogether. And you can do that. You can do that, yes. But then what happens? So, you know, we've got these ad blockers and ad tracking turned off, but does that lessen our experience? It depends on what you're doing. I mean, I don't mind being served ads for stuff that's relevant to my 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 purchases. Uh, I don't like seeing ads for stuff I already bought, or especially if it's a better deal than what I paid for. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, I think most people just sort of tune them out, and it also helps make the world go around. If there's no ads, then some of these sites will probably disappear. So this is kind of interesting because I mean, I have recently subscribed to uh, Apple News Plus because I actually like content and I'm kind of hoping that by engaging with the content creators that uh, I like in a place where they get paid, that actually kind of works out well for both of us and I don't have to see the ads that are involved. So there's no ads in the Apple News? In in a lot of these sections, there are not. Okay. Right, so in some of the magazines, they've got the full spreads, but they're, you know, kind of integrated into that. So the question is, you know, as internet users, are we, would we be comfortable moving to a space where one, we're paying for more of what we see, which I think I can honestly hear our audience cringing right now. Um, you know, do we accept the fact that ads are a part of daily life or do we go through this cat and mouse game where people are trying to serve us ads and we're trying to avoid them because we don't want to pay for the things that we want to see. And meanwhile, the content creators out there are going bankrupt. You know, there's this whole brouhaha about how uh, the prime minister is injecting money into the news industries in Canada and everyone's crying bias. And it's like, well, really, no, they're actually going broke because we're taking everything that they used to get paid for for free. You can't have it both ways. Yes. Or you can, but people go But will the industry adapt? Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of on the same page with you, Graham. I think it's important to have a, uh, a healthy, free press. But, you know, has that ship sailed? You know, newspapers obviously... I guess the big thing we talk about and no one's reading them anymore. And, and this is the thing Now you go to Facebook where they're responsible for moderating the content that goes out there. And we've already proven that they're about as trustworthy as a hole in the wall. So this is kind of what it comes down to. We're sort of staring this down the barrel and going, okay, I can fool these folks. And I think really when it comes down to the tracking, like the precise tracking, being able to at moments where you would actually like to engage in that way, turn it back on so that you can go through and yes. maybe be presented with offers that you may not have, have had, but also being able to 100% step away and say, you know what, I don't want that. You know, we're relying on browser companies to do this right now. I personally think this needs to be enshrined in Canadian law, right? In what way? In what way? Being able to make sure that we have, you know, do not track as part of our privacy policies and privacy laws here in Canada. But then that kills the publishing I, th- I think you have Side. to have the option. Okay. Right? Would you pay for Facebook? I would, actually. If I could eliminate a lot of the ads on Facebook, I would. Yeah? Yep. There's a, there's a lot of features there that are valuable to me. Yeah. And to be honest, like... But, so, but it's... I don't even know how you would um, censor that or filter that because, okay, you pay for it and then you don't get all the ads, for example. Mm-hmm. But still, you get all the stupid news, like the fake news. You know what I mean? Well, like, who's you, filtering you, that? You got to pick your friends better then. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at Mike's friends list now going, oh, no. This That's is- why I get all the cat news. Right. Because like, I'm friends with you. It's true. I yeah. do like my internet kitties. Yes. But, uh, well, and that this is really what it comes down to is being able to perhaps curate a lot of this stuff. 
uh, being able to separate yourself from a lot of the tracking that does happen. I know after the Cambridge Analytica thing, I went into my Facebook profile and there were things that had been there, again, to your point, John, for years. Yeah. Like their claws were dug deep into me. It took me days, almost weeks to get rid of a lot of this stuff. I didn't. So <laughs> They're still tracking me like this. <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. They know everything. They know how often I go to the bathroom. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a scary thing. Okay, so we've uh, got a little bit of time left uh, here on the uh, app show. And when we come back from the break, we have John's favorite app of the week. This one's really cool. And we have the game app of the week uh, as well. You're listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the app show. Before we get to our game app of the week, we have John's favorite app. What do you got this week? So we've been talking about privacy, Facebook, tracking, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you really want to turn things off and really get a good sense of what is actually being exposed, there's an app called Jumbo Privacy. And what it does is it actually allows you to link your Facebook, your Twitter, your social media accounts, and you can do some pretty crazy things with it. You can actually go into your Twitter account and delete all of your old tweets. Doing this... In the Twitter app is painful. You have to do it one at a time. Yes. So in Jumbo Privacy, you can actually set a range and delete everything that's older than three months to the beginning of Twitter. Oh, that is hilarious. Right? Hmm. So this is what probably what politicians are doing. Yes. <laughs> sponging, expunging their... It's interesting because uh, you remember Christina who used to be on the show. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she's traveling the world right now. Uh, and I guess she had some free time and uh, she was telling me that she was trying to clean up her digital past. Right. And so she was going through all her old Twitter posts yep. and getting rid of a lot of them. And it, she said it was taking forever. And there's an app for that. Jumbo privacy. Jumbo privacy. It also will highlight and show you all of your security settings in Facebook and what ah. they're current set to in a really like layman's term view. Yeah, because the Facebook uh, settings so easy to navigate. Right. <laughs> I'm being really sarcastic there. Yes. 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 So it allows you to do all, all kinds of different things for all your social media accounts. And so it's an app for your iPhone? Yes. An Android phone? I believe it's just uh, iOS right now. Okay. Because Android people don't care about <laughs> privacy. Well, uh, well, they're we'll going to China and they're getting their apps installed. And <laughs> yes, Exactly. Getting tracked. Okay, let's uh, switch gears. And Graham, you've got one minute to tell us the game app of the week. Well, you know, I, I love my retro games. You guys know that. Do you remember the, the Sega Genesis? Yes. There was a great game on that called Altered Beast. Yes. yes. Do you remember how that started? Rise from your grave. Well, Altered Beast Classic is now available for iOS and Android, and it's free. And you can play through Altered Beast. How is it free? Uh, well, they're including ads, okay. and they are interest-based ads, or they're tracking what it is that you do. But here's the wonderful thing. For $2.79, you can actually pay to remove the, the ad tracking in there. So you can play Altered Beast to your heart's content, score high scores, and compare them with your friends online. It also, on iOS, includes a, an iMessage app, so you can send stickers and things to your friends, which is probably what all the cool kids are doing nowadays. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected, every Saturday at 10 a.m. here on CKW 980 and across the Chorus Radio Network. And don't forget to check out our podcast about the app show and Get Connected on the uh, Apple Podcast uh, app and also Google Play and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. This is Mike, John, and Graham signing off for the app show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.